God, we never want to take for granted your presence, Lord. We, we always want to be humbled by your presence and by your spirit. And so tonight, God, we just thank you. As Pastor Miller said, God, we can lay our heads in your lap. God, we can experience your glory. Not from afar off, but God, in your presence. And we just worship you tonight. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you, God, that even though we are so unworthy, a God in glory would care enough about us to come and spend in our presence, bring his presence into our presence. And for that, God, we, we give you thanks and praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. You may be seated. I feel his presence here tonight. Can we let this praise and worship team, wow, what a great job. What a great job they've done. It is a delight to be with you, Mike and Marcia Steigel. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you, and on the front end, I'm going to call people by their first names. I'm trying to get used to being on the executive committee and calling people by titles, and I'm just still not good at that. So I still, I'm going to slip up and call people by their first names, and I apologize. I'm not being disrespectful, but um, Mike and Marcia, Bishop Steigel and First Lady are just dear friends of ours. We have known them for so many, many years. Uh, have done around the world together, and we just love and appreciate them and the opportunity to be here. The DiPetrios uh, worked with them in South Georgia uh, and, uh, again, have been in camps together, camp meetings together, just know them and love them, and they're just a great team, and we appreciate them. I see Don Chavis sitting back there in the back. Don, another one of our dear friends who is doing such a great work in world missions. I just encourage you to swing by Don's table, the work that he's doing uh, with Europe's child and the ministry that they're doing over there. Brother Don, stand up so everybody can see you. We appreciate you and your heart for missions and um, believing with you that God's going to get that total amount of money in and you're going to be on the field and we're going to see the work that you're doing among orphans and the least and the last and the lost and, and thank you for that. It's great to have Lori with me. I'm always better when she's with me. Uh, we, uh, we've got three kids, two grandbabies and so... The grandbabies are more important than me, so if they're in the picture, she's not with me. She's with them, and so. Uh, but it's always good to have her with me, and uh, she's got some books in the back if you want to swing by there. They, when we were in South Georgia, pastor's wives in South Georgia uh, came together and put together a book on, on ministry and on how to, to just do ministry as a, as a pastor's uh, spouse. Uh, that's back there. There's a devotional back there, again, written by pastors, wives, and uh, leaders in the state of South Georgia when we were there. So, uh, Lori, it's great having you with me. Pastor, thank you for opening up your church. Such a beautiful church. And uh, so thankful for that, for the opportunity to be here and, and be here in this beautiful. Uh, when I drove up, I told Mike, I said, this is one of the most beautiful Church of Gods I've ever been to. It's just beautiful. It looks like I'm in Gatlinburg at one of the big theaters, you know. So, I mean, it's just... It's super nice. And then on a personal note, um, I think it was Jeremiah that said he only went across the border to Illinois to get grain to feed the cattle. Uh, I only came across the border from Illinois to watch the St. Louis Cardinals and the Blues play. So I'm actually from Bethalto, Illinois. And so I grew up my whole life I, going to Cardinals games and Blues. Listen, my whole life I waited for the Blues to win a Stanley Cup. And uh, I'm, still, I'm still basking in the glory of... 2019. We've sold the whole team. We don't have anybody left, but I'm hoping that one day we're going to be back again. But my parents live in Arnold, Missouri. Uh, my brother lives in St. Charles. My sister lives in St. Charles. So we were able to have lunch with my mom and dad today. And uh, so it's just good to be back. It's good to be in a restaurant. You see people wearing Cardinals instead of brave stuff. Uh, and so it's just good to be back home. Uh, we, uh, we are just uh, delighted to be here and, uh, and appreciate the, the opportunity. Listen, as I've been traveling around our church, one of the things that I am just seeing and feeling is an urgency and a hunger for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I'm seeing it everywhere I go. I'm seeing people that are hungry for God to pour out something fresh in their churches. Pastor Todd, I just saw you over there. Uh, Todd and Shannon Gardner, if you'd stand up. Todd, Pastor Todd's going to be teaching. I just said it again, Todd. Pa Pastor Todd is going to be teaching in the morning. Uh, you're not going to want to miss that. Great leader. Great, they have great church in, uh, in uh, Tifton, Georgia. Uh, we work with them in Tifton. In fact, 
that's where we attended church when we lived in Tifton. So that's my pastor uh, from when we were overseers there in, in Tifton, Georgia. So don't miss in the morning. You're going to be absolutely blessed by them. And then I got to throw this out there. I just thought of it. When Jeremiah was up here, he's in Cuba. Uh, Bishop said, you don't know where that's at. And I said, I do know where that's at. When Lori and I were dating, we are both poor. And she hadn't met my parents. And so we were going to come home for Thanksgiving to meet my mom and dad. And her car, my car was junkier than her car. So we decided to drive her car instead of my car because her car was better. We didn't think my car would make it. So her limousine, on the way home from meeting my parents, it threw a rod in Cuba, Missouri. And uh, we were actually stranded there for a couple of days um, and so I had to call my mom and dad who just met this lovely young lady and uh, tell them that you're going to have to send me about $1,000 because we're stuck down here and we don't have any money to fix this car. And, uh, and so that was how we got introduced to uh, Cuba. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, we, we spent a couple of nights there. In separate rooms, by the way. We were still college kids and dating. So in case you're wondering, separate rooms. So Jeremiah, wherever you at, I've been there. Uh, hadn't been back since and I ain't almost said I don't want to go be back in there again but no I'll go back one day I haven't been back since but it is good to be with y'all that's what I'm saying there's I don't know if you're feeling it pastor you mentioned it when you were up here your church been praying for it there's this urgency and I think it's birthed from the fact that we know Jesus is coming soon and the church is just is hungry for God to do it one more time heard no minister say one time Every once in a while, we all need an oil change. We need God to take us into his heavenly garage and get out the old oil and fill us with a fresh oil. Here's what I'm amazed at. You can buy a $75,000 car, and it all depends upon, its performance and longevity depends upon a $5 quart of oil. Am I telling the truth? Now, I'm not a mechanic, but I do own a car, that has over 400,000 miles on it. It's a Toyota Sequoia 2004. I still drive it every single day to the office. In fact, it's such bad shape, it's missing a headlight where it hit a deer and it's so old you can't fix the headlight. It leaks oil. So I don't park in the committee parking spots because I'm embarrassed. I don't want to embarrass the church of God by that's a committee guy that drives that. So I actually park out in the back parking lot where, do you, where the uh, maintenance vehicles are stored. I park out there and I walk because I don't want anybody to see my car. So I'm an expert on oil because my car uses a lot of it. Let me tell you four things I know about oil. Here's number one. Over time, it gets stale. You can't get by on it, an old oil in your engine and it still perform as you want it to. Can I say that we've got a lot of churches who are trying to get by on what God did yesterday instead of being in the move of what he's doing today. And brothers and sisters, I don't want to miss what God's doing today because I'm holding on to what he did last week, last month, or last year. Amen? And there are too many of our churches that the glory days were in the past. Can I tell you, brothers and sisters, God never intended for our best days to be behind us. God intended for our best days to be in front of us. Amen? So oil gets still. Here's the second thing I know about, about oil is it will leak out cracks and holes. If you don't believe me, go swing by my garage. Lori made me put cardboard down because my car was leaking so much oil. There are a lot of folk that are letting past hurts and wrongs hinder their anointing today. Somebody done them wrong Listen, as an overseer, I dealt with a whole bunch of churches. They, they couldn't do what God wanted to do with them today because they were still holding on to something somebody did to them years ago. They're still holding on to past hurts. Can I tell you, God is not going to flow fresh oil in a vessel that's torn up and holding on to bitterness and anger and, and, and hurt from something that happened years ago. We've got to let that go and say, God, I don't like it. I'm not happy that it happened, but I'm going to tell you something. I'm not going to let it steal what you have for me today. Amen? Here's the third thing I know. Impurities get in your oil if you don't change it. 
pieces of metal from your engine, muck and junk. And I don't want to be hard tonight, but I think the reason why God's not flowing in a lot of our churches is because there's a lot of impurities in our pews and in our pulpits. And until we get our hearts right with God, we're never going to see a fresh outpouring of His Holy Spirit. We can't live it halfway, partway, or anyway and expect God to pour it fresh into our lives. Got to get the impurities out. And here's the, here's the, the last thing that I, I, I know about oil from owning an, owning an old car. And if you're a mechanic, correct me after church if I'm wrong on any of these. But pressure causes the viscosity of the oil to break down. Here's what I know. Life has a way. The pressures of life, the pressures of work, the pressures of ministry has a way, if we're not careful, of stealing the freshness of the anointing of God out of our hearts and ministries. But I heard the psalmist David in Psalms 93, verse 10, I believe it is, say, I shall be anointed with a fresh oil. The Apostle Paul said it like this, Be not drunk with wine, where is in excess? But be filled with the Spirit. Literal translation, be being filled. The literal translation is, be continually filled with the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, it's time that the church stand up and say, I'm not satisfied with what was, what I had, or what you did. God, I'm coming to the fountain for a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. I want it fresh. Amen. I want a fresh outpouring. I want a fresh touch. Too many of our churches are living on what was instead of moving in what is. Okay, now let me give you this, and we're going to look at the Scripture. We're going to look at 2 Kings chapter 4, Verses 1 through 6 in just a minute. But let me show you this first. I think it's important to understand. There are three ways of looking at how the Holy Spirit moves in our church today. There are those who think it only happened for the apostles. They believe that the move of the Holy Spirit ceased when the apostles, after the apostles established the church, there was no longer a need for the Spirit to be poured out into the church. So it ceased with the apostles. There are some who believe that God chooses to pour out his spirit over here, over here, over there. And Pastor Ken, let me tell you what that does. That creates people who chase, I call them church hoppers. Pastor, I love you and I love this church, but Boy, they've got something going on over there. I, I, I'm going to go over there because they've got something really good going on. And they go, from, they go from outpouring to outpouring. And they chase what God is trying to do. They chase what God is doing somewhere else. And let me tell you what I believe. I believe they chase what God's doing over here because they don't want to pay the price for God to do it here. Because anytime there's an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, believe me, somebody's paid the price for it. Don't think for a moment that it just happened. Don't think for a moment that all of a sudden they showed up at church one Sunday and God poured out his spirit and revival broke out and it just changed their community. Now I'm going to tell you what happened. For years before that ever happened, there were men and women in a back room somewhere seeking the face of God. There were pastors fasting and praying and seeking the face of God. There's a price to be paid for an outpouring of God's Holy Spirit. There's a price to be paid for revival. And there are some who try to, who try to get there without ever paying the price. Now listen, I don't care. I ain't throwing anybody under the bus. Well, be careful here. If you went to Asbury Seminary, I'm glad you went. Over 25,000 people went into that little town of 3,000 because God was pouring out His Spirit. Can I tell you, 22,000 of them folks could have stayed at home and got hungry and got on their faces before God? And I got to believe that God would have done it in their church and in their town and in their school and in their community and in their family just like he did it up in Kentucky. Why? Because God's not a respecter of persons. And if we'll fall on our faces and call out to him, God still moves in his church. Okay, let me give you a third thing. And this is the one I believe. I believe on the day of Pentecost, there was a spigot up there in heaven somewhere. 
and God turned on the spigot. And the flow of the Holy Ghost has been flowing from in his church from that day to this. I don't believe the Holy Spirit has ever stopped flowing in the church. I believe God on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Ghost fell. And I believe that the Holy Ghost is still flowing through the church today. It's not the Holy Spirit that stopped moving. It's the church that's gotten out of the flow of the Holy Spirit. Can you see it? If it's a hose, and think of it as a, as a hose, it's, it's flowing into the church. He's never stopped flowing. We've just gotten out of the flow of the Holy Spirit. And so we're over here and we're saying, God, why aren't you moving? God's still moving. And God's saying, get back in the flow of my Holy Spirit. The Spirit's not stopped. The Spirit's not quit moving. God's not quit touching His church. The church has gotten out of the move of the Holy Ghost. So how do we get back into the flow of the Holy Spirit? Brothers and sisters, I don't know about you, but I am hungry for the church to get back under that spigot. Pastor Kent, it hurts my heart when we think that Asbury Seminary outpouring of the Holy Ghost is an unusual event. God, that ought to be happening every Sunday in our churches. That ought to be happening in our schools. That ought to be happening in our communities. That ought to be, that's the church. We ought to be in the flow of the Holy Spirit. God, forgive us. If folk have to drive to Kentucky to find out who you are. How do we get back in the flow of the Holy Spirit? 2 Kings chapter 4, great story. You're familiar with it. Story of the little widow woman. It says, certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha and said, your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know your servant feared the Lord. And now the creditor is coming to take my sons to be his slave. And Elisha said to her, what would you have me do? Tell me, what do you have in the house? And she said, your maidservant has nothing except a jar of oil. And Elisha said, go everywhere to all of your neighbors, borrowing vessels, empty vessels, not just a few. And then when you come in, shut the door behind you and your sons, pour into those vessels, setting aside the full vessels. And then verse 6, she did what he told her to do. And the Bible says it came to pass. She said to her son, give me another vessel. And her son replied, there is not another vessel. And the oil ceased. Five things that I think if we're going to be a church in the flow of the Holy Spirit, we've got to see God doing our hearts and lives. Here's number one. There's got to be desperation again. She cried out to the prophet. She was desperate. She was desperate to see God do something. Can I tell you, we are told through, through Pew Research that 1,700 pastors leave the ministry every single year. Brothers and sisters, we better get desperate. 4,500 churches in America closed in 2021. We better get desperate. Statistics tell us that 80% of Americans do not believe that this is the entire literal word of God. We better get desperate. We're living in a culture that is increasingly hostile to the church, and we are in a church that is increasingly anemic and powerless. We better get desperate. If there's ever been a time when the church needed to be desperate for more of God, we are living in that time. Oh, God, make us desperate again. The psalmist said in Psalm 61, Oh, God, my God, I earnestly seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Can I tell you what that is? That is desperation for more of God. Brothers and sisters, my prayer is God, make us desperate for more of you. Now, here's the thing. The world looks at desperation as hopelessness. 
God looks at desperation as hopefulness. When the world sees a desperate person, they see a person without hope. When God sees a desperate person, he sees a person that's hopeful to be filled. Because the psalmist went on in that verse of Scripture, the very end of that verse, Psalm 63.1, at the very end of that verse, he says this, I have seen you in the sanctuary. I have beheld your power and your glory. So we have the psalmist over here saying, God, I'm desperate for more of you. But I know what desperation leads to. Desperation leads to being filled with your power and your glory. Because Jesus said, if you're hungry and you're thirsty, you shall be filled. Amen. Brothers and sisters, let the church get desperate again for a fresh touch of God's Holy Spirit. Amen. God, fill us fresh. Make us desperate for more of you. There's got to be desperation. Cried out to the prophet. Here, here's the second thing there's got to be. There's got to be dependence. He said to the little widow woman, what do you have? She said, I don't have nothing. We'll never fully walk in the anointing of the Holy Ghost until we learn to completely lean on him. Desperate dependence, it's a trust issue. It's saying, God, I, I trust you. Jehoshaphat, when the, when the great host was coming against him, the Bible said he turned his face to the wall and he said, God, you alone are God in heaven. No man can stand against you. You see, it's, it's, it's trusting the sovereignty of God. I love the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They're getting ready to be thrown into the fiery furnace. And they said, oh, king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. In other words, we don't even have to think about it, pastor. The God we serve is able to deliver us from your fiery furnace. But you know the rest of it. But if he doesn't, hallelujah, I'm still not going to bow. We're still not going to bow to your idol. Why? Because we're dependent on God. Whether it goes our way or doesn't, whether he does it like we want him to or not, we're still going to depend upon God. Peter and John gave a beautiful. There's the lame man. He laid eyes on him thinking they were going to give him money, and Peter said this, Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And you know the story. He took him by the hand. He lifted him to his feet. Strength came back in his legs and he began to leap and, and jump and, and give praise to God. Brothers and sisters, I am afraid that the lid on too many of our churches is a spirit of independence, not from a denominational headquarter in Cleveland, Tennessee, but from a God who sits on the throne in glory that we've become too dependent upon silver and gold and not enough dependent upon in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Amen. And I am thankful for every building that we have and I'm thankful for, I'm thankful for beautiful churches like this across the church of God. I am so thankful from where God has brought us from to where we are today. But brothers and sisters, I'd rather be in a shack and God be in it than in a cathedral on a hilltop and God not be there. We can't do it without him. Jesus said to his disciples, without me, you can do nothing. We've got to get back to where, God, we're not even going to turn on the lights unless you're in it. God, we're not going to do it unless you're a part of it because we cannot make an impact on our communities and on our families and on our workplaces and on our schools unless you're in it. It's got to be dependence. The church today depends less upon God than it probably ever has before in America. Now, listen, I don't want to be bitter I stayed overseer for six years. And Pastor Kenny, it has a way of making you bitter. I don't want to be bitter. But I see churches that if they were gone tomorrow, nobody even know or care. I don't even know that God would know. I'm telling the truth. Because they've learned how to do it without him. They've learned how to have church without him. And God's not going to pour his spirit out fresh 
in a church that's just going through the mechanics and the routines and the motions of church without, listen, it, there's got to be the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. And God, we're not going to do it unless you're in it. That's why our altars are barren. That's why our churches are, 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 are declining because we've tried to do it without him. We've got to move back to a place that says, God, like Moses said to him, Lord, if you don't go, we don't go. If you're not in it, we're not doing it. God, if you're not going to be there, we're not going to be there. We've got to have dependence. Here's number three. Got to be obedience. She did what he told her to do. Here's what I know about obedience. It's not, not always comfortable. What do you have her do? She had to go around to her neighbors and tell them the story. They weren't just going to give her a vet. Why, why do you want to empty jar for? Well, I don't have any money. We owe money and they're going to come take my sons. It wasn't comfortable. But obedience rarely is. But here's what I am convinced of. If a church doesn't walk in obedience, if we don't walk in obedience, God is never going to pour his spirit out fresh into our churches and into our lives. Not going to happen. We've got a daughter, she's, she's actually a little older now. This is probably four, three or four years ago. She was 15, 16 at the time, and Lori wasn't home, and it was just Sarah and I, and I had to go to a meeting, and we had dishes in the sink. And so I asked Sarah, I said, do you mind to do the dishes? I've got to go. I've got, I'm, I'm running late. I've got to go to this meeting. No, oh, sure, I'll take care of them, Dad. I leave, go to my meeting, I come home, there's still dishes in the sink. And so I said, Sarah, I thought you were going to do the dishes. She said, I did. I said, no, there's still dishes in the sink. She said, no, those are your dishes. I did mine. <laughs> okay, now listen. Pastor, that's funny tonight, but it wasn't funny back then. Five years has helped me deal with this, you know, but back then it wasn't funny. But you know, there's a lot of us that treat God that very same way. But here's what I know. It's a little story you find in Samuel where the prophet meets the king and the king's coming back with cattle that he's, he's going to bring back as a sacrifice. And the prophet said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm bringing these back to bring as a sacrifice to God. But here's what I know. God doesn't need our help. He needs our obedience. And so the prophet says to the king, now listen, we all know that we ought to give up a sacrifice of praise. We all know that, right? We, we know we ought to offer up sacrifice of praise. We know we ought to worship. But here's what the prophet says. The prophet says to the king, obedience is better than sacrifice. Don't think for a moment. And I know, listen, I believe God moves through our worship and I believe God moves through our praise. I'm not, I'm not negating that. But don't think for a moment. And we can live like the devil Monday through Saturday and roll up into church on Sunday morning and lift up our hands and because the music sounds good and the singing's great that all of a sudden God's going to be moved. The holy God in glory is going to be moved by your worship. He is not moved by that kind of worship. What moves God is the worshiper. When we come with holy hearts and pure mouths and righteous hearts and we stand before him and we say to him, God, you're holy and I'm unworthy. When we lift up a holy heart to a holy God, that's the worship that moves him. But it begins with obedience. Here's what, here's what the Bible teaches us. We do not know how many vessels she got. Don't know. It doesn't tell us. But here's what we do know. He told her to get as many as she could. Not, don't just get a few. Get as many as you can. Here's what we know. Her level of blessing was determined by her level of obedience. If she got six jars, she got six jars of oil. Sam, if she got 60 jars, she got 60 jars of oil. If she got 6,000, she got 6,000 jars of oil. We don't know, but we do know this. Her level of obedience determined her level of blessing. God will never bless us beyond our obedience. Got to walk in obedience. Here's number four. There's got to be emptiness. When there was no more empty to fill, Bring me another vessel. There are no more vessels. The Bible says the oil ceased. God can only fill an empty vessel. Here's the problem. Emptiness makes us nervous. 
Because we focus on the content. God focuses on the vessel. We see the content. God sees the vessel. God's not nervous with emptiness. You're talking about the same God who stood on the edge of nothingness and with his words spoke a universe into existence. God's not nervous about emptying. But we come to church and we're so full of junk and stuff and stress and anxiety and pressure and we say, God, here's my cup, fill it up and we're already filled to the top. Before he can ever fill us full, he's got to first empty us out. But here's the thing. I don't know if this ever happened to you. It it happens to me all the time. If I know we're going to go somewhere for a good meal for dinner, I always say to Lori, I'm going to eat light at lunch because I want to be hungry when we go eat dinner tonight. You don't go to the you don't go fill up before you go to the buffet. You want to empty out before you go to the buffet. You see, being hungry is not a bad thing. Being hungry is a good thing. Being empty is not a bad thing. Because Jesus said, Those that hunger and thirst shall be filled. And so even though our flesh pushes back on empty. And our flesh pushes back on desperation. And our flesh pushes back on hungry. Our spirit says, as the deer panteth for the water, my soul longeth for thee, O God. Amen. We got to get to the place where we say, God, empty me out of all the stuff that's not of you. God, if there's anything in there that's not of you, if there's anything in there that's hindering a revival, if there's anything in there that's hindering a fresh outpouring, if there's anything in me that's keeping it from happening, God, empty me out so that I can be filled. Amen. Empty us, O God. And, And then here's number five. The oil only flowed when it was poured out. It only flowed when it was poured out. Now, let me, let me meddle a little, little bit here. God will never pour out on a church that doesn't take it out into the community. Never happened. Now, you may have a good service where you get goosebumps and you feel good about it, but in, God will never send revival to a church who's not stewards to take it to the community. Because God doesn't do it for what happens in here. He does it for what we do out there. And here's what happens. It's easy to become consumed with what happens in here. Pastor, we were talking about it before church. And walk past a sinner out there who needs Jesus as their personal Savior. I share with you some of the stuff I dealt with as an overseer. I, I, I remember it, it, probably one of the, one of my, um, there's some things you just never forget. This is one of those things I'll just never forget. It was a little church, little stage, much, much probably the size of that little area over there. And the youth started a youth drama team. So the pastor moved the piano off the stage so that the kids would have room to do their drama. And a two-year battle ensued. Lost a bunch of folk. And so finally, I had to go over there and meet with the district overseer. said, I can't do anything with him. I went over there to meet with him. And here's what I told him. Y'all ought to be ashamed of yourselves. Because for two years, you cared more about where a stupid piano sat in this church building than folks all around this church that have been dying and going to hell. And you've cared less. And... Brothers and sisters, I've got to believe. Pastor, I've got to believe. God cares more about a sinner lost out there tonight than he does about the color of our carpet or whether we have pews or chairs or lights or dark or what kind of music or where the instruments sit. I've got to believe God cares more about a harvest that is on its way to hell and we are the only ones between hell and them. And we spend so much time without ever being poured out into our community. And we wonder why. Where's revival? 
Revival's in the hearts of people who say, God, give it to me so I can give it to somebody else. Revival's in the hearts of the people who are falling on their faces and saying, God, give me souls or I die. Revival's in the hearts of the people that say, God, bring life to our altars again. Let families be healed. Let broken lives be mended. Let, let those that are sick come to a place. Listen, the church used to be a place where those who needed prayer, they said, you got to go over there because that's where they get a hold of God. Why? Because we were poured, we were poured out. God never does anything for it to stay in here. Doesn't do it. He does it so we can take it out there. And if we're going to walk in a fresh flow of the Holy Ghost, it's got to be God fill me so I can go fill somebody else. God, fill me so that when I walk in the halls of my school, my, those, those kids around me know there's something different about them. Something's happened to them. There's something that's taken place in their lives. He does it so that we can be poured out. Is God still flowing in his church today? You better believe he is. And I am convinced you don't have to chase it. You don't have to get on a plane and fly to Kentucky. You don't have to get a plane and fly to Lee University or any other university. If my people, which are called by my name, can I tell you, he still hears our prayers. God still hears the prayers of his church. He still hears the prayers of his people. God is looking for a desperate people who will say, God... I want to see a fresh outpouring of your Holy Ghost one more time. God, my church needs it. My community needs it. My family needs it. My school needs it. My work needs it. God, one more time, will you pour a fresh outpouring of your Holy Ghost among your people? Hallelujah. Stand with me. Hallelujah. God, I'm hungry for a fresh touch. As the musicians are coming, let me just ask you. You say, Gary, I'm hungry. Would you lift your hands? Is there anybody here tonight? You're just hungry? Hallelujah. God, I'm just hungry. Are there some pastors here that say, Gary, I'm hungry? God, we are hungry. God, forgive us of every time we've tried to do it without you. God, forgive us for every time we've tried to get by on what was. Lord, we want to be in what you're doing today. God, we want to be under the spigot. We want to be under the fountain. God, we want to be under the flow of the Holy Ghost. God, I feel your presence here tonight. God, I feel you here tonight. I know, God. You draw near to the hungry hearts of your people. And, oh, God, we're hungry for you tonight. One of the things that has struck my heart, Bishop, with all that's been happening at our schools and our universities, it's not been driven by a person. You can't point to a person and say, this is who it started with. I was talking to one of the leaders at Lee today, and they said, it's a group of students. Not even one student. It's a, it's a group of students. It's a, it's a prayer team. It would be like a fraternity or what? It's a prayer. They've been praying. This group's been together for years. They've been praying for years. Just a group of students. But on that day, all of those prayers that they had been praying, all of those tears that they had shed, all of those times they cried out to God, on that day, but here's what I know about the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. It's not going to be exploited. It's not going to be used for anybody's glory. When God pours out his spirit, it's for his glory and for his honor and for his purpose and for his people. And, and, and here's what I know. If we'll get out of the way and just say, God, we need you. God, I'm just desperate for you even if nothing ever comes of it for me I'm just desperate for you God if my church don't grow us by a single person but you bring revival to my community 
I'm just desperate for you. God, if I never get elected to a state council, but you bring revival to my community, I'm just desperate for you. God, if no one ever even knows my name or recognizes anything I do, but if you'll bring revival to my town, God, I'm desperate for you. Because it ain't about you and me. It's about him. And here's how I want to finish tonight. If you're just desperate for him, would you just come and find a place up here tonight? God, I'm just desperate. God, I want you in my church. Would you just, as they sing, would you just come and find a place? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, oh, God, we feel your presence here tonight. God, hear our desperate cries. Hear our desperate cries. Hallelujah. Lord, we're hungry. Lord, we're desperate. God, we don't want to chase an outpouring. We want to chase you, God. We don't want to chase a move somewhere. We want to chase you. God, hear the cries of hungry hearts, God. Lord, our souls thirst for you. We long for you, oh God. Just press into him tonight. Would you do it? Just press into him tonight. Hallelujah, God, we're not going to stop. We're not going to quit. God, we're committed. We're committed to seeking your face. We're committed to seeking your hand and your heart, God. We're committed to seeking you.
to sit and revive. We've been praying for it. Matt, we've been praying for it. We've been seeking God for it. I read a pastor said somewhere that somebody from his church said we need to go up to Kentucky so we can get revival. Pastors, I'm sorry. I don't have to go to Kentucky to get revival. But that's what y'all deal with. But I declare with you tonight. Hallelujah. I declare with you tonight. God, open up the heavens. Hallelujah. Send revival, God. Send revival, God. Send revival, God. Would you just find a pastor standing right there beside you? Would you find somebody standing right there beside you? Let's pray for one another. God. Of 
There's a lot of folk that give it up on the church. But we stand here tonight. And this is proof that there's still a remnant who's out there that say, even if nobody knows who we are, knows where we're at, or knows what we're doing, there's still a remnant that says, God, we're going to stand in the gap for this generation and this culture and for our towns and our communities and our cities. And we refuse to stand by and watch them go to hell without us doing something about it. Revival is coming. Amen. Revival is coming. Revival is coming. And I'm not talking about splattered around the country. I'm saying God's going to pour out his spirit in his church again. And in this last day, it's not going to be here or there. It's going to flow through the church. And it's going to transform communities before he splits the clouds and comes back to take us home. There is a hunger in the church. And this is proof of it tonight. God, we're still hungry for you. I'm going to turn it back over to Bishop, but I want us to pray together one more time. Because this is not a one-night deal. This is a God we're not going to stop until we see it. Let's pray. Father, Father, for every desperate heart, pour it out. Pour it out tonight. Come on, somebody lift up your hands. It was the Apostle Paul that said, I wish all men everywhere would lift up holy hands without arguing, without debating, and just call out on his name. Father, for all those hearts who have become calloused, Soften our hearts tonight that we may know you, God. Father, rain down. We don't need yesterday's rain. We need today's outpouring. Father, we lift up our hands and we receive it now. You said, he that has an ear, let him hear what the, the Spirit is speaking tonight, God. Open up our ears that we, ears that we may hear your voice tonight. Soften our hearts today, God. Come on, someone lift up your hands and just receive it. Come on, receive it. Receive what he's saying tonight. Father, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your voice tonight. Father God, we begin to loose what is in the heavens right now. Huh? The miracles and the signs and the wonders, Father God. We take it out, God. Every expectation and every limit that we have put upon you, Father. Whatever it looks like, whatever it sounds like. God, tonight we declare Lord, what our forefathers have done is in the past. But Lord, we are generation, we are the people today who must pick up the mantle. We must pick up the mantle and walk forward and be like Elisha. Lord, we are willing to pay the price 
Lord, not for what was done yesterday, but Lord, for what you're wanting to do today. Lord, for the souls that need to be saved. Lord, for the work that you're calling us to do. Let us not be content to sit where we are at and stay in the position that we are in. But God call us to a position where we are on our face before you and allow the oil to begin to flow freely once again. Father God, I just ask that you come in this place tonight, God. God, that you pour the oil upon your people tonight, God. That you make us so hungry for you, God, that we shut out the things of this world, Father God. We lay them down, Father God. And we go forward, God, marching, God, as warriors for Christ, for your nation, God. Let's, let us have the call like Esther, Father God. And that if we perish, we perish, Father God, in pursuit of holiness in you, Father God. I praise you, God. I give you all the glory. Let it be poured out from this generation, Lord. Hallelujah. Onto that one that is coming up, Father God. The one that is coming behind us. The one that has the fire to move us forward. Hallelujah. We are not stuck in the past, but we are moving over to the Jordan, Lord. That we're passing over to the promised land that you have given to us, Lord. Father God, I just ask that we would be open, Lord. That our hearts would be willing. Father God, that we would not be stuck, Lord but that we would be willing to step into what we don't understand sometimes, Father God. God, I'm reminded of your word tonight that says, Jesus prays that Father make us one. God, as we're standing in this altar area tonight, I pray for unity like we've never known before, God. I pray for divisions to be ended. God, I pray that you would bind our hearts together in love, God, and that we would serve together, that there would be no competing, no competition, God, no jealousy. I pray, God, right now, let that spirit be broken, God. God, over our lives, over our churches, over our denomination. And fathers, I'm praying right now, God, as revival is being poured out, not just for our cities, God, not just for our denomination, but every church that's in our city, God, let us partner together, Father, that they would receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, God. God, that they would not be foreigners or strangers to the full gospel, I pray, that we would be able to come together in prayer meetings and worship services, God, where the Holy Ghost would move in such a way that, Father, as we have heard of old, crime rates would drop, God. Father, that there would be a peace and prosperity in cities so that Christ could be lifted up and glorified. You said that they will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another, God. Let your love flow in us tonight, Father as revival is being poured out, that we would love everybody that we come into contact with, God. Hallelujah. Bishop, can I just be obedient for just a moment? Could we have Bishop and Sister Marsha come stand down here? I, I want, while all these pastors are down here, here's what I know. Anytime God wants to do something, there's going to be opposition from the enemy. And so I want you pastors and spouses, let's just gather around Bishop and, and Sister Marsha, and we're going to pray for them. Brother Ken, I'm going to have you pray for them. I'm bringing it over here to you. Let's just pray for Mike and Marsha. Let's just ask God. Let's ask God for revival in Missouri. Amen. Father, right now, in the mighty name of your Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, we pray, Father, right now for our overseer, 
to lead, God, this move of God that you're about to start in the state of Missouri. God, right now we believe that we are ripe for harvest, that harvest is ripe and that we can put our sickle in the word of the living God and that you can bring forth revival in this state. God, we break every barrier. We speak against every principality and power and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. But yet we rest in the warfare knowing the battle has already been won. That you're sending a freshness. You're sending a renewal. And no longer shall we have warfare, but we shall have victory after victory after victory after victory. God, right now, touch and give a fresh breath to every church in this state. God, breathe upon the churches. Breathe to the pulpits. Let the congregation hear the word of the Lord. And let them get serious about the great commission. Let them go out and get the vessels and bring them in. That vessels can be filled in, once again in the house of the Lord. God, again, let us see the urgency of the hour. Let us see that it's our time at this very moment, that short window, to go forward in the name of Jesus and to accomplish the good work that you've called us to do. God, and we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Todd, I just feel like God's up to something in Missouri. You can feel it. You can feel it. God's up to something. Hallelujah. God anoints us where he appoints us. Amen. I believe it. Here before, I'm going to turn over to him. I, turn, I promise I'm, I'm not going to keep going on and on. I, mean, I just felt my spirit as we were praying. If there's anybody here tonight, you just, you're, you've got something going on, and maybe it's a pastor in your church, or just physically, you just need a touch from God. Right where you are. We're not going to have to come down front. Right where you are. Even if you're up here in front, we just lift your hand. Is there anybody here, you're just going through something, you just need a touch? You just need a touch. If you see somebody with their hand up, would you just go find somebody right there around you, somebody in the, in the back over here and, and somebody over here? Would you just, while the, while, while the presence of God is in this house, amen, while the presence of God is in this house, where the presence of God is, there's healing. Where the presence of God is, there's deliverance. Where the presence of God is, there's salvation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you see somebody with a, yeah, amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let your glory fill this house, glory land. Let your love run over here and now. Let your glory fill this house, oh, pour it out. Let your Bishop Lewis, thank you for a on-time word that we know that the state of Missouri, the pastors, the laity that are here in this building that are unable to be here, knowing that we're seeking God's face and the outpouring of the Holy Ghost to go beyond these walls. So I challenge you with an expectation if we, when we dismiss tonight to come back tomorrow morning. We got Pastor Todd Gardner from Tifton, Georgia, and his wife, Shina. They have a word for us in the morning. You don't want to miss. It's going to start promptly at 10 a.m. So be here early, 9 o'clock. That would be great. Invite someone. Invite a friend. Someone that needs to be challenged, to be restored, to be revived, and just to see God's face. On behalf of the state team, we want to thank you for being here in Encounter 2023. We love you. We bless you. We will see you tomorrow morning, 10 a.m.